0: Good morning. morning. It really is good to see you all. Good to be here. It is good to be back. It really is good to be back. And welcome also to all of you who are watching uh, online. Uh, It's just been uh, strange when I'm gone just two weeks and it feels like I hadn't seen you in forever. It's, It's kind of a weird thing, right? But it really was good. Thank you for all your kind remarks uh, just when we were shaking hands earlier and and saying hello. I spent two weeks, for those of you who don't know, my name is Previn Vong. I'm the interim pastor here during this time when the church is looking for, for a new uh, lead pastor. Uh, I spent the last two weeks, because the other side of what I do is I lead the doctoral program at the seminary at Baylor University, and we had a seminar in New York City uh, for, for the last two weeks, we do that every year. And in the mornings, it's all academic discussion of books and articles and, and paper presentations and all. Most of you know the drill for some of that. And then in the afternoon, uh, we have the blessing of meeting with key church leaders, national leaders uh, that are in these areas where uh, the greatest confrontation with with everything that changes fast is happening. Uh, not only the confrontation with culture and all of that, but you know, what they knew yesterday is going to be different tomorrow. And the thing is, we're usually saying, you know, New York City may not be here yet, but it's coming to a town near you pretty quick. And so it's, it's just life transforming for for the group of, of students, are, which are uh, 99% of pastors in churches like this and others. and And it was just very... Uh, life transforms to see the complete utter dedication to God's work and God's purposes. How do we reach this generation truly f- with the gospel? Just giving whatever it takes. And so here I am back, fulfilled with that, that inspiration and the tiredness that comes with that as well. But, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Huh? Some of you are going, what? If I said it was Mother's Day, y'all would have known what that was, right? Because we are much more acquainted with the Hallmark calendar than we are with the church calendar, right? And we God forbid if I forget a Father's Day, but it's okay if I forget Pentecost, which is the church's birthday. When God started his church, launched His mission after the resurrection of Christ, he told uh, the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. And when that spirit comes, he will fill you with power and he'll send you to the ends of the earth with this gospel. This is indeed a powerful, powerful thing. So let me remind you that around the globe, well, not just here, but around the globe, there are uh, three major events. In the church year, right, At Christmas, when, when God came down, uh, Jesus was born, an incarnation happened. And he lived with us, showed us how to live uh, as, as his followers right here. And then, of course, the next one is Easter, where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ, where he opened the door and allowed us into God's presence through that. And then the third is Pentecost, when he poured out his Holy Spirit and empowered us to live the life. That he had called us to live. And that is what we will deal with today. And so let me just uh, ask you to be in prayer. Don't just listen to uh, this as, you know, that's another sermon and it's Sunday and this is what we do. I hope we get to get stirred by God's spirit. And I've been praying that God would do a special work on a Sunday like this. Let me just say as a summarizing kind of remark here at the beginning that unless churches and Christians in in what we consider somewhat the old Christian world, Europe and America, rediscover the role of the life-giving power of God's spirit, we will cease to have much impact. We will shrivel into a state where no one will listen to us anymore. We're not significant. We just do our own thing. It was Jürgen Moltmann who was uh, arguably the principal theologian of the spirit in, in the last generation. His books are still read all over, taught at the most prestigious university in Germany. He wrote a book uh, entitled The Life of the Spirit. And on the very first Line in his first in his preface, he writes like this. Listen to this: the simple question, "When did you last feel the workings of the Holy Spirit?" embarrasses us. Unquote. I think that may happen to Lutherans in Germany, but not to Baptists in Louisville. That's a startling, startling. Statement, But I still think it's true What I said earlier, right, unless we rediscover the role of the life giving power uh, in, in, of the spirit in Christ, our life, our significance will shrivel into nothing in the years and the decades that come. It is simply not enough that we can just have sermons and discussions in Sunday school class and at home where we have talking points that are kind of popular at the moment. It is not enough that we just have reduced our thinking about God to some kind of intellectual exercise about who he might be unless God touches us in powerful ways that transform our lives and it gives evidence, manifest evidence of his presence. We will cease to have the significance that we need to have for his sake in this world. Can we read together, friends? Let's stand, right? And then I'll pray as soon as I read. And I'm going to ask you to pray as well, uh, not just listen to me pray. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, and I'll skip a little bit along. If not, it will be a very long text to read. So I'll begin in verse 1, and I'll just tell you when I skip to the next verse. You can follow it along right here. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them ability to speak. Now... There were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. I go down to verse 12. And and they were all astounded and then perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? They've just heard uh, people speak in their own tongue. Uh, jump down to verse 17 where the answer is coming here. It will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your young, uh, your young men will see visions. And your young men will, old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days. Both men and women. And they will prophesy. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, Peter said, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. And then verse 32, God has raised this Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and received from the Father... The promised Holy Spirit, He has poured it out what you both see and hear. Before you, uh, before you sit down, would you spend a moment praying? Maybe turn to one another, uh, maybe two or three. Just, you know, utter a prayer out loud or just uh, uh, by yourself. Just let's spend a moment praying and I'll round it up with a prayer in just a second before we start listening to the sermon. Father I thank you For this Christian fellowship This church we call the First Baptist Church In Louisville We ask that you will Fill us all with the desire to pray To seek your presence To experience your Spirit's power in our lives I ask this very Morning That you will walk up and down these aisles In between every single pew here Touch every heart those who are sitting at home, those who are wherever they are, watching online at whatever time they watch. Move, Father, in our hearts. Change our way of thinking. Allow us to be transformed and not go just go through faith like we always might have. Allow us to know, truly know, that you are Lord and our God and you empower daily by your spirit, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, religion and culture, in so many ways, are are, are kind of bound together. Most often, actually, giving uh, any giving culture is determined by by the most dominant religion of the area, at least what has historically. Been so, what has shaped this past? And as time moves forward, you know what used to be a clear devotion to God turns into be just kind of what we do and how we live. And and suddenly, uh, the spiritual element has a way of of kind of just dissipating and disappear. And and culture and 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 uh, faith kind of overlaps in so many ways. It can be hard to to distinguish which is what. If you go to a, to Arabia, you anticipate that most there by far will be Muslims. If you come to Europe, you're guaranteed to be a Christian by the state church unless you opt out. If you come to the south of the U.S., you are most likely a Christian more often than not. At least you consider yourself so. Maybe even Baptist or Methodist or non-denominational, that will be more than half or, or, or maybe even two-thirds of, of, the, of the whole population that consider themselves Like that. There is a way in which these things have to, these sometimes conflate. Whether we go to church or not, we kind of think those ways. And that's also why, friends, just frankly, straight up, it sometimes feels that when, when our culture is changing, it feels like someone is attacking our faith. Sometimes it feels like that, right? Although these are different concepts because we're so conflated and overlap these things, it can feel like that. But the message of Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Spirit, the birthday of the church, the outpouring of God's power, so to speak, is the message that that, uh, the Christian faith is far more than mere religion. To the old Jews, Pentecost was a celebration of the law at Sinai. This event was the pinnacle of this Old Testament covenant, if you will, with all its laws and commandments concerning worship and life and how you interacted together as God's people. But now, just as we just read in Acts chapter 2, the, when the way we understand, uh, Pentecost as, as Christian has completely radically changed. It does no longer refer to the old covenant and is lost, carved into stone tablet, but the new covenant with Christ being carved into our lives. You can parallel it by saying that the, the, uh, the Passover, the old celebration of the old Passover event completely changed significance and meaning once Christ was, was crucified on the cross and, and he rose again. Every Christian saw that Passover event in a new light. The same is true here, uh, with Pentecost. No longer do we celebrate the old covenant with rules and covenant with rules and commandments. We celebrate the coming of the new covenant, a covenant that is not governed by law, but one that is governed by God's powerful indwelling spirit. I know we are not an amen in church, but y'all, we ought to have an amen for that, right? It is just what we see uh, with this, right? That God freely gives his spirit to all who are willing to receive. It was, in fact, the old prophecy given by Jeremiah, the prophet, in chapter 31, when he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people. I will put my law within them and I will write it upon their hearts and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Are we getting this? Life with God is no longer merely a question of external rules but of internal fellowship. God is no longer primarily one you read about, someone you you hear about. He is one you know. And I'll get back to this. The story in in Acts chapter 2, the story of Pentecost, is the story of the cross as it comes to its climax, if you will. On the cross, Jesus made your salvation possible. He paid the price that you could not pay the self. His wounds were there to, to make up for all your wrongdoings, so to speak. But through the coming of the Spirit, He gives you new power to live the life day by day right Here, right now, a life that is Christ-directed with a new vision and new power and new goal, new direction. Easter made the new life possible. Pentecost brings new possibilities, new perspectives, new power to the life right here. And right now, I hope we're getting this, friends. This is what changes everything. If you want your Christian faith to be more than just an exercise of lifestyle and culture, you can't afford to overlook the story of the coming of the Spirit, the launching of the church. You know, maybe I can illustrate and, and explain maybe a little bit. They're just kind of dense. And I, so, I, you know, at least we can look at it again if, if we need to online. But without the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost, the Christian faith would have been nothing more than kind of yet another religion, so to speak, a restatement of old Judaism in, in new clothes in a, in a way. It is true that Jesus gave us some great new guidelines for how to live with one's fellow man. It is right that he, he, he kind of showed us the pinnacle of, of how it is that men and women can have a new relationship to God. But without the life-giving spirit, all this new excitement, this new teaching that Jesus brought was soon turn into. And we know that all too well, don't we not? All too quickly it will turn into just new laws, new rules, new regulations, new ways. Just how it works. The message of Pentecost is, friends, of utmost importance for your faith to avoid the trap of law and culture. I'm saying this, and I hope it doesn't sound redundant, but it's saying that from the depths of my heart. If there's anything that we need, this world needs it. If you don't know what's going on, open the television, open any newspaper, open anything anywhere, and you will see, yes, we need God's Spirit come with power. So much is in our faces every day of the worst kind. There are Christian people, obviously, that, that live as though Pentecost never happened to them. Uh, the Christian faith is, question, is a question of having chosen a certain set of norms. This is kind of uh, a lifestyle. This is what we, li- we live by. A new situation comes. We create a new rule, a new way of kind of tackling it. Whole sections of Christianity may have kind of bought into that kind of notion. It's hard to imagine other than if we had Gallup or some other kind of polling system doing a poll on on the broad, broad population. What is the Christian faith? How would you understand the essence of what's going on? Probably we will find, I imagine that most will say something like that. If we just behave decently and do good things willingly and smile cordially and help our our, our neighbors gladly, then God certainly will, will love us gracefully. And we can know that we are one of his. When that happens, friends, the Christian faith has turned into something that is a little bit more than a restatement of old religion. So it's faith, if you start thinking about it, doesn't really need God's power. It doesn't need to ask for God's power for, for everyday life. We, in a faith like that, we, we can kind of work it out. We set out our own systems and we work it out. This is how it looks and we just work it out without the power of God. And of course, we always know we have His forgiveness. After all, that is the gospel, is it not? That God forgives our sins. All that would have been true had Pentecost not come. We could still be grateful for what God did through Christ, that He would receive us if we come to Him. The gospel will still have the offer of a second chance if we stumble and and be there and talk about grace, would still have been possible to say that Jesus did something for us that enables us to know about our eternity with God. But that, friends, would have been the extent of our relationship with God and the Christian faith would have, in the end, become a new version of old Jewish faith. But, hey, thanks be to God, he sent his Spirit. There came a day, as we just read from Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God descended upon believing men and women and filled their lives with his Spirit powerful, life-changing, transforming presence. Everything changed. And when that happens, even still in your life, wherever you might be, here, there, or wherever, your Christian faith becomes more than just culture, lifestyle, religion, whatever you want to call it. Notice what happens here. This is powerful. It really is when you start thinking about it. Look what happens in the early text, right? When you begin in, in Genesis chapter 1, what will we know? Well, while the world was, was void and empty, what happened? God's Spirit hovered over the waters, yes? And new life came. Here it begins the same way. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. What we have here is an occasion where God Almighty took hold of history and of human lives. God no longer just sits someplace in heaven and look out that all the rules are kept on earth. No, he came close. This is a moment of creation. This is why Paul says, behold, the old has passed away, all things are new. The Christian faith has become so much more. It's no longer just about keeping up with them things. God has moved close Manifestly so. I think we've all seen TV uh, reports of children that are missing, yes? I remember one that that kind of stuck out to me years back. It was an eight-year-old autistic boy that had just walked away from home. And, of course, the family is devastating. Everything was absolutely horrible. The whole city, everyone was involved in trying to find him. Of course, the father was asked some of these, what I sometimes consider, you know, mind-numbing kind of questions when some journalist said, how do you feel about that? (laughs) Well, hello. Uh, But instead of just kind of buying into that, he said, you know, every week I get one of these sheets with missing children. I see posters on some, in some windows around. I don't ever pay attention. At least not much. I know, of course, in my heart, it's terrible. You know, missing a child is terrible. But now I know. Now I know. Everything has changed because what? Now I know. So just to finish this story so you don't be thinking about this, they found... The child unhurt later on. So so that's over. But But think of this. Now I know. His experience had moved everything close in that very strong, powerful way. He knew now like he had never known before. Everything changed. And that is exactly what happened to the disciples. When the Spirit came, God was manifestly there. Now they knew. Faith was no longer just a theory. God was no longer just someone you read about, talked about, debated about. No, God has stepped into people's life and let himself be experienced. Now I know. Pentecost was exactly that experience that enabled his disciples to say, now I know. Do you know? Can you say, I know? You know, one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, at least in my estimation, it was written by a German uh, musician who lived in Britain. His name was George Friedrich Händel. Some of you have heard of him, yes? George Frederick Händel. I don't know what he sounds like in, in Texas. <laughs> he sang, quoting Job chapter 19. He sang in the most glorious, resplendent kind of way. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know. Not I think. Not I can argue. Not I reckon. Not I hope. But I know that my Redeemer liveth. Do you know him today? and I really don't mean that as a mere rhetorical question do you know it's a vast difference between hoping thinking having become convinced because I can't argue any other way and then I just know I just know That kind of faith will make your faith come. I mean, that kind of experience will make your faith come alive. Public worship will come alive and not just be formalized like something we do. Your private worship, instead of being sterilized, will we reduce it to a quick prayer and maybe a Bible verse, if we have time, is now becoming true worship. In fact, it's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he says the hour is coming. In fact, it is now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For it is such worshipers the father seeks. Maybe I'll just say it like this. God sent his spirit in order for people to have a living and a life giving faith. And relationship to him. Let me end by saying it this way. No matter where you turn in the New Testament. You see that the spirit always point to life. This is no place expressed in greater terms of contrast than in first Peter. You open the letter, the first Peter's letter, go to chapter 2. You'll see he talks about living stones, that we are living stones. Come to him, he says, as living stones. We know good and well that stone is the very symbol of deadness, yes? Do we not use the very phrase, that is dead as a rock? But here it is as he's talking about about Christians becoming stones in the building of God he has to talk about living stone because everything that comes in contact with God's spirit is receiving new life You know, you would think that stone, talking about a living stone is like talking about a round square or, or you know, a wet dryness or, you know, whatever, hard softness, whatever. It's contradiction in turn, but not when it comes to the spirit. Every aspect of life, every aspect of reality is infused with life. No longer. Pentecost refers to the carving of stones with new rules. Pentecost is the carving of a new life, a new relationship to God in your heart. And it moves faith from being an expression of religion and culture into becoming a life-giving, even a life-creating reality in your life, in your home those you talk to maybe even in your neighborhood maybe even in the whole city of Louisville maybe in the whole area of North Dallas maybe from here around all of Texas and we know if it hits all of Texas right it's going to hit the world yeah may God move happy Pentecost turn to someone to say happy Pentecost happy Pentecost May God move by his spirit. Can we stand and pray? And I want to spend just a moment doing that. The, the next series will begin a series next Sunday. I hope you can be here for this whole series. If you travel, try to kind of look in uh, on our website. If you're home and not traveling, make, uh, make sure you, you try to be here to encourage everybody else during this summer month. But we'll be focusing on prayer in the time to come. Father. Would you do your work right here? There will be some that need to find someone after this service to pray with. Whether they say, I don't know what he's talking about. I need to experience God's manifest presence in my life. Give them boldness to step forward. And ask someone. Come forward here to us. But someone to pray with them and ask for that. Thank you, Father, for this great church. Grow in us a deeper and deeper desire for it to be Pentecost in the true sense of that word right here, even right now. We pray this in your powerful name, basis of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the very Spirit that we ask move in our lives amen and amen open here if you want to pray grab someone's hand if that's easier if you're at home spend some moments praying friends